Um, I think there is a there is a data thing, which I know we're going to come on to, and systems have always been a problem ever since the FSA was created over 20 years ago with um, from 12, I think, predecessor organizations who all had their own ways of doing things. We talk a lot about silos. I think another way of looking at it is a sort of um, a group of islands, like an archipelago, and some of them have, you know, motorway bridges between them. Some have ferries. Sometimes you need to swim across. Um, some of them are big, some of them are tiny, um, but actually making them work together in combination, linking them up, the bridges between are, are, are the really key thing in how well it works. Common data standards is something TJ has been talking about for at least 10 years. So I felt like it was really important that this is having common data standards is now a, poli uh, is now a policy. Disruptive or or, or, or new technologies and and new businesses fit within the perimeter of the of the regulation. Just because it's new, doesn't mean that it isn't covered by one of the old school rules. Uh, if we've had so much trouble uh, managing online uh, fraud in the you know as what she was calling a financial crime. In the UK, imagine how difficult it is going to be as these influencers and bloggers continue to grow online. Redcast. Redcast. Welcome to Redcast, where we shine a light on banking digitization. Hello, I'm PJ Marino, CEO and founder of JWG, and I'm pleased to welcome you to our next edition of Redcast. Welcome back to everyone who's found us before, and welcome to those of you who find us for the first time. What we do in this show is shine a light on the key pain points for the financial services sector as we digitize. We look at the regulators, the regulated, and the tech firms, and what does it all mean to come up with, the, to meet the challenges of this decade's uh, transformation. Up today on the 2nd of March, we're looking at the impact of GameStop, but along with the rest of the regulatory framework that's also in play. There's an amazing confluence of looking at what has been happening with the digital regulatory system dialogue and GameStop. And in the last episode, we talked a bit about this. We came up with the, 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 the critical decisions that the UK really faces now about its regulatory framework. And, and how the precise data and standards uh, really need to get written that allow the system to be overseen in a, in a more digital and agile way. And there's been an awful lot going on this month. Uh, walking backwards, uh, the debate seems to have morphed into the UK financial services regulatory system as, as the, uh, we've had testimony from the, the new CEO and chair of the FCA at the Treasury Select Committee yesterday. <clears throat> Uh, we've had the appointment of three new heads of the FCA last week, and the Bank of England has unveiled its new data collection uh, uh, strategy and transformation plan, uh, all while uh, a new report on the fintech policy was just issued, something called the Khalifa Report. Um, and last week, uh, the FCA put out a, a rather poor report card on product governance, uh, just as we had a press release about Neil Woodford's uh, potential return to the sector. Uh, but while at this, uh, the week before that, uh, we had the European Parliament and uh, the head of ESMA and the Econ Committee that, that set all the, uh, the policies for Europe talking about games stopped. Um, of course, the week before that, 
we have the US doing pretty much the same thing. So there's a lot going on right now. And I'm really, really pleased to have these experts around the table again. Uh, Rachel, senior editor from Thomson Reuters. Hello. Hi. Welcome. Thank you for coming back. Sam Tyfield, partner at Shoesmiths. Hello. Thanks. Hi. Hello. And not last but not least, Gavin, former regulator and, uh, and senior consultant at Grant Thornton. Hi there. Thank you. So in this episode, what we're shining our spotlight on is, is really risk dashboards. Um, there was a lot of talk about it yesterday at the Treasury Select Committee. I know everyone's itching to get into that conversation about what they mean. But essentially, for me, it comes down to are they deep enough, broad enough, and fast enough to keep up with the new digital uh, framework that everyone wants to put on the on the regulatory system? Um, I guess the, the first thing that we want to focus on what we learned from the Europe and the US. So Rachel, uh, what was your key takeaway? And that's a great article, which I'll link to the to the podcast on our website. Thanks. But what were some of the big things that uh, that you that you heard? Well, just to start lead on with the uh, US approach, it seems like now that this uh, GameStop and Robinhood uh, situation is being gradually uncovered, we're seeing that this is looking more like a market abuse and risk management uh, situation there. And I think it's going to take a long time to uncover what actually happened. My big takeaway from the uh, testimony so far was uh, in the at the U.S. was uh, that Robinhood had a uh, problem funding its trading activities, and that's why they had to stop. And I, I think apart from that, we didn't really learn th that much. Uh, it seems like there's going to be a lot more to digging by the SEC and the various other agencies to uncover what's what's been going on. So I think that story is going to run and run on that end. It, on the in the EU front, what the Econ uh, Committee uh, concentrated on when they were uh, questioning Stephen Mayor from ESMA and Ugo Bassi from the Commission was kind of four different topics. One was the payment for order flow, uh, one was short selling, one was market integrity in terms of price formation, and they were also uh, just worried about the, and this links back to the payment for order flow, the business models of the, what they're calling the neo brokers. They're wondering how they make money if they're not charging customers for trades, which links back to the payment for order flow, which Sam, I'm sure, will be telling you all about. Um, the ESMA came back and said, ESMA and the commission came back and said, well, our dashboards tell us that we have very few uh, stocks that are um, shorted here in the EU, so we're not going to have a big short selling fiasco like we did in the States. Uh, they, their CCPs were holding up and they, uh, on the inducements front, especially Mayor was confident that the MIFID rules around best X inducements and conflicts of interest should cover the uh, cross uh, the PFOF 
issue, payment for order flow issue. However, he did admit that these rules will be, have been implemented differently across the EU and they needed to check and make sure. I mean, it left a big question mark of if they're, if not PFOF, then how are these people keeping the lights on? I think that's going to be. Uh, and, I, and I guess that's really important in light of, in light of Brexit. And, and, and Sam, let's, let, let's get your view here because PFOF isn't something that, that we've really adopted in the UK. What, what, what do you think this all means? I have to come with, this comes with a health warning that um, I have very specific views about payment fraud or flow. Um, <laughs> the first point is that the FCA has been very hot on what it is calling payment fraud or flow. Mm -hmm. But that is, it, that is different from the US payment fraud or flow situation. So in the US payment fraud or flow is a, a retail broker bundles a bunch of um, retail orders, which it sends to a market maker for execution in the most appropriate manner. Um, and the market maker pays it for that flow. In the UK, the FCA has focused on us on the on the wholesale market, uh, more than the retail market, where it, it, essentially it boils down to the same thing that the the the, the broker um, is charging both the wholesale client who asks it for um, an execution and the market maker to which it sends the order for execution. Um, those, those are not the same thing. And um, we need to be careful. I think we should be careful to uh, separate out the two issues completely. I've banged on about the separation between wholesale and retail for, 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 for long enough, so I won't do that again. Um, the other point is that none of the participants in the financial services trading market, uh, trading uh, cycle are a public good. We all have to make a living. So if retail punters are expecting to receive uh, brokerage services for free, seriously, uh, are, are they expecting that this is this is actually a service that is being provided to them for free? Somebody has to keep the lights on somehow. Mm -hmm. And to criticize a broker who can't charge retail clients, or, and I, and I say can't deliberately, because there is market pressure and client pressure on, 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 on brokerage rate cards to push them down and down and down and down and down. Eventually, um, it becomes uneconomic. Somebody wanting to buy a pint of milk has to understand that there is, an, there is a chain up to the point where his little carton is sitting on the, uh, in the fridge at the supermarket. Um, if he's going to complain about the price he's paying for the for the for the milk, then it is it is not the retail price that is going to get knocked down. It is it is everyone down the chain. 
So we okay, but there's there's there's, there's, there's still a coalition of people buying milk here, and, and I guess the and and that and that's the, well, it's, the it's, new it's, bit it's, that's been introduced. So what 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 does that what what does it mean to have the masses able to manipulate the price of milk now? Well, let, let let's assume that the masses are manipulating the price of milk because we don't we don't know that yet. So um, in the alleged theoretical situation where the masses can manipulate the price of milk the likelihood is that um a majority of the masses are and i use it's it, it's a pejorative term but i use it non-pejoratively <laughs> uh useful idiots there That's will a pejorative be one, term. yeah it's a pejorative term okay um you used with 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 love um <laughs> No, in, in, in most mobs, there are one or two, no more than a handful of people controlling the mob. The rest go along with it. Mm. And that is the, I, I, theoretically, allegedly, no, hypothetically, there is no reason why the masses wanting their milk or um, wanting physical silver are any different here. All right. Well, um, okay. So we're on a perfect analogy here because I must remind you we're talking about a roaring kitty in, in the U.S. So we have we have milk, we have a, a kitty, and we have manipulation. Gavin, in the silver former tea regulator, tray. what what's your yeah. perspective on, on this? And that, what what's happening to the to, to, to the risk dashboards? Oh, a bit like we we're back to the French Revolution there for a minute. Um, <laughs> uh, so I, I think I think risk dashboards largely. Um, you know, largely kind of look the same, irrespective of the situation. What changes is the is the the acuteness of the different types of risk. So when we're talking about GameStop, I think as a regulator, you're looking at things like conflict of interest, you're looking at uh, inducements, you're looking at transparency. Um, th those are things that are kind of ever present in um, in most kind of financial services. That, that that we ever talk about and, and it's how well they're managed and how how um, how big a deal they are in particular situations i think that the the interesting gamestop stuff which which partly comes out in the article rachel wrote i think matt St matt smith brought it up um is kind of where you have a kind of collective herd mentality at the retail end it's sam's mob if you like and, and what that really means so we've not really seen that in the uk before um, it's clearly happened in the US, you know, working assumption at some point it will get to us. I don't think our regulation is set up for that. I think the influence, the influencers role in the US is quite interesting as well. I don't know where that fits in MIFID. Um, I don't know either. Uh, someone else might tell me, but you know, um, so I think there are things, there are definitely things to look at, but I think that the kind of the, um, that the kind of the universe of, of risks isn't really that different. It's kind of how high red high red they're um, uh, they're showing. The influencer thing is an interesting one um, because there are carve outs from um, the regulated activity of giving advice if you publish a general article that's not aimed at anyone specific and it's just your views, but people have been fined and gone to prison for that um, back in the day, even under the old rules. 
but it wasn't designed for people with four million followers on no. Instagram. No, but but <laughs> if you have if if you have a column in the Daily Mirror or the Daily yeah. Mirror, whichever one it was, that that's a that's a, that's an influence. That 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 is a circulation. Okay. That is a following, um, and it, in the classic pump and dump scheme that they were. Um, you know, I, I can say they were running because they were convicted of it. Um, yeah. So it, it, it is what potentially we have to do as an industry and the regulators have to have to get their mind around is applying old school rules to new paradigms. And more often than not, or actually more often than one, one expects, applying old school rules to new paradigms actually produces the right result. I think so that's if, oh, sorry. Sorry, guys, it, do, it does produce the right result. But I want to take us on to the Treasury Select Committee hearing because this is what we're all dying to get into. Do we have the tools to do it? You know, you can get you can get you can get the data, but and you know, if you don't have the tooling to look at the data, and you don't know have the, the staff trained do have the right decisions made, you may not be able to oversee a digital system. So, well, that's, I, Ra Rachel, that, that's a different discussion, though, isn't it? Because having the systems is different from having the human capital. It, yeah, but but it, 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 it it's a guns versus butter. I can throw all the all the people at it, or I can throw all the tech at it. But I, you know, I've got to have some balance of both in, in in my in my system here to control risk. Rachel, what's your perspective? What you heard from the Treasury Select Committee? What what yesterday? What's the what what are some of the key takeaways? Well, I thought one of the key takeaways is that the FCA has a lot of work, heavy lifting to do. Uh, just in terms of the GameStop question, it came up briefly, and they acknowledge that they're not really focused on what these kind of investors that they characterize as younger are, are up to. Uh, they, Rathi, uh, Nikhil Rathi mentioned that they were much more focused on what older uh, investors were doing. And as Gavin was saying before, uh, you know, these are tend to the people who've more traditionally actually done investing. And that usually, uh, you know, if we accept that the people who are involved in kind of GameStop like trading were more youthful, that this would be a relatively new phenomenon in that sense. But in terms of the topic of dashboards uh, that you were led in with, what we've found out is that this is something that the FCA is really struggling with. Uh, they're uh, struggling to uh, get a single uh, view of a firm on a dashboard. Uh, Rathi mentioned that they have a manual intervention for this at the moment. And for manual, I usually read spreadsheet or PDF file. So I'm kind of imagining it as a big kind of shared document on the kind of FCA teams where you can go in and look at something. I mean, I could be, you know, that's just my impression of it. So they're having a hard time figuring out what's happening at any given firm at any given time, which is not a surprise uh, given that they are looking at so many firms and they've had problems that I outlined in a previous podcast in terms of 
uh, keeping track of them on their yeah. um, you know online portal and yeah. whatnot. Yeah. Part of that, I think, is the, the the number of issues with which the FCA is either tasked to deal or feels it needs to deal with. And I've I've screamed into the void a number of times about the number of consultations that are out there at the moment, the number of reviews that all cross over very slightly, some of which um, are complementary, some of which are, are contradictory, um, all of which have different timescales and all of which affect different bits of the handbook. Um, if we just stopped, let everything that we have out, including the Khalifa review, play out and we finish, and then we take stock. Because we talked last time about um, we've got the, 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 the future regulation, um, financial regulation review that's going on, um, which may end up competing with um, uh, Ian Duncan Smith MP's um, um, own consultation and review. Just let everything settle down for yeah. a second. And then Gav we work Gavin, out where the landlords are. Gavin, it's, it's hilarious listening to those. The, the the Treasury Select Committee asked the questions yesterday. They were all keen on headcount. Do we have enough people doing supervision? But only, only half of the, the organization actually supervises from from the answers they gave. I mean, you must appreciate this this problem from a from from your point of view. You know, do they have the right headcount focused on the right things? And, and, okay. and you know, do we have the data they can use? Yeah. So I mean, I was the you know for for disclosure, I was the FSA's head of um, head of planning for about five years, um, and uh, and I was the FCA's chief risk officer for its first couple. Um, I, I mean, these sort of debates are um, perennial. Um, purely personal point of view, I don't think it's about. Um, I don't think it's primarily a people question, um, even at senior levels. Um, I'm sure the people um, Nikhil Rati's recruited in at Exco level are great. Um, I think if you go back over the years, you would probably say the same about the backgrounds and CVs of, of various generations of people coming in. Um, the problems have remained. I don't think it's primarily a structure issue. Um, I've said several times, I think there's been a lot of deck chair moving in the last 20 years. Um, but to give one example, um, Nicol Ratti's um, make, making authorizations and exco uh, position. Um, well, it was an exco position for the first two years of the FCA. Um, and then in the 2014 strategy, it was put underneath supervision, underneath retail supervision. Um, so those things kind of just come and, you know, they ebb and flow all the time. Um, I, I think there is, a, there is a data thing, which I know we're going to come on to, and systems have always been a problem ever since the FSA was created over 20 years ago with um, from 12, I think, predecessor organizations who all had their own ways of doing things. We talk a lot about silos. I think another way of looking at it is a sort of um, a group of islands, like an archipelago, and some of them have, you know, motorway bridges between them. Some have ferries. Sometimes you need to swim across. Mm. Um, some of them are big, some of them are tiny. Um, but actually making them work together in combination, linking them up the bridges between are, are, are the really key thing in how well it works. Um, so the dashboard thing, my, my own take on it is they probably have a series of perfectly good dashboards, but they tell you different things because they look at firms from different perspectives. And the problem is joining them up. 
for the spread. So you have, you, you know, so you'll have a supervision one, you'll have an authorization one, you'll have an enforcement one, but actually they tell you different stories. Yeah, yeah. in um, my, in my work, I've seen that these various dashboards seem to throw up different different kinds of data. And one of the things that comes to mind uh, is the operational and uh, cyber breach data, depending on who's giving, who's uh, crunching the numbers, you're going to get a different, uh, get, get a different answer to the question, how many operational resilience issues were there or how many uh, cyber incidents were there. And I think that's, that's really confusing and it kind of muddies the water in terms of well, the FCO, the, the, the PRA has already recognised that, haven't they? In their, in their review and report last week or the week before, yeah. um, when they were talking about the quality of the data that they received, it essentially boiled down to if a regulator asks a question, there are six, seven, eight ways of interpreting what yep. it is the regulator is asking you. People will have different definitions internally within the firms yes. of what overall lending um, exposure will be. And it, so, so it, 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 the PRA has recognised that there is an issue within the firms it supervises that it has to consider how it asks the question. So the corollary, Rachel, is exactly what you just said, which is well, then they should recognise that there is an internal issue about who is analyzing the data who is asking that all has to be um organized in a better way yeah, what, what, what a yes. great time to have a data collection transformation roadmap appear i mean it was great to see the bank of england come out with that i guess you know rachel you've been tracking the data collection problem almost as long as i have what, what what's your view on, on how that how that whole effort's going well I read the paper yesterday, and I think I mentioned to you, PJ, that it read like a DiGiamarino uh, greatest hits uh, list. Uh, it all sounded eerily familiar. <laughs> and when I wrote it up today, uh, it went out, I mentioned that this is something that PJ, date, common data standards is something da PJ has been talking about for at least 10 years. So I felt like it was really important that this is having common data standards is now a uh, is now a policy, and it will hopefully go a long way to address a lot of the issues that have been raised, and will maybe in the long run help save some money. For example, in the when Andrew Bailey uh, appeared before the TSC, he mentioned that they had spent two hundred thirty million pounds on uh, tech. Uh, projects at the FCA. And what we learned yesterday was, well, I'm not really sure where all that money went, because when uh, Dave Elizabeth goes to ask the FCA for some information, one of the most embarrassing things that happened yesterday was for Charles Randall having to say, really acknowledge how difficult that process was, pulling out data, finding it, um, and it, it just seems to be that, you know, to uh, Gavin's comparison with the archipelago, you know, not all the data is flowing around 
in a way that that's useful or even discoverable at, at the FCA. And I imagine, um, I don't imagine, I know this is a problem for firms because they get yeah. fined for it all the time. They have, a pro they have a problem with single view of the customer, don't they? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, yeah. this, this is a, it's not a, it's not unique, is it? To no. And guys, we've got to move to our, our, our summary question. It's amazing how quickly this all runs. But, uh, you know, I guess, uh, Gavin, I'd like to start with you in terms of what's your what's your one big so what out of all this? We've, we've had roaring kitties, milk prices, common data standards, operational excellence. What 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 does it all mean for, for risk managers and what they have on their dash, dashboards? So I think the biggest thing, and this, I think this applies to firms as well as regulators, is what, what where do we strike the balance between... Um, you know, competition, risk, innovation, choice uh, on the one hand and consumer protection on the other. It came up a lot yesterday. It came a lot, up a lot in the GameStop hearings. Sam will go on about the wholesale retail split. Um, Nick O'Rati went on about you could self-certify as a sophisticated investor with a kind of 250K threshold. I know in countries it was two and a half million, but at the same time, we had higher standards of consumer protection that we expected. And for me, the, the two are just, have just become too contradictory. So I think firms, regulators need to work, work out where they actually sit on that spectrum. Thank, thanks for that, Sam. My, um, I completely agree with, with, with what Gavin just, just said. And um, the follow-up to that, is we collectively um, need to work out um, how disruptive or, 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 or new technologies and and new businesses fit within the perimeter of the of the regulation. Just because it's new doesn't mean that it isn't covered by one of the old school rules. And I think there's a mindset, and albeit that it's 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 a fantastic and entrepreneurial mindset that the Khalifa review highlights and and and, and makes you know makes a lot of, and we should be proud of 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 the, the fintech industry in this country. There's you know if you want if you want to be in that in that industry, you you have to recognize that you are part of an old school ecosystem. And potentially what you are doing is going to be a regulated activity or might just bump up against being a regulated activity. Certainly the people to whom you're selling your products and services will be regulated. So for goodness sake, recognize that when you go in and um, don't throw your hands in the air in horror when someone says, please, could you provide me with your disaster recovery plan, please? Uh, or I would like to see the underlying change management procedure for your code. Thank you, thank you, and I'm sure sure legal advice is is all part of that. What they need oh, to take up front. Heaven forfend, really? Yeah, just just by oh, the way. Yeah. Oh yes, not not do. for nothing. Right, yeah, Rachel. Right, you don't yeah. charge in six million increments. I, what what that. what's your advice? Yeah. Uh, I wanted to draw a line between what Nikhil Rathi was saying yesterday about the problems they have tackling fraud and the work that they've been doing with Google to try and 
tamp down fraud on that end. That was really interesting yesterday. Yeah. And yeah. draw a line between that and this emerging issue of potential market abuse and market manipulation that we are having coming from the Reddits and the influencer sphere. Uh, if we've had so much trouble uh, managing online uh, fraud in the, you know, as what she was calling a financial crime in the UK, imagine how difficult it is going to be as these influencers and bloggers continue to grow online because they've been given a outlet to express their views financially through the neo brokers, through the uh, you know, cheap access to, to stock trading and binary options and contracts for difference and whatnot. Um, th that's gonna be another really challenging area to manage and uh, uh, monitor and just figure out how, how to deal with it. And just to go back to two points that Sam made, one is about the old school rules and that's something that uh, the uh, came up at econ. Mayor said, "Listen, this is you know if you're doing this, this is market abuse." And then just one last thing about what Sam was saying about let's kind of keep concentrated. I mean, in the middle of all of this, the FCA has just launched a consultation onto prepaid funeral plans. I mean, surely that could be put on the side, um, and. Let's figure out uh, some uh, other there's, stuff. There, it's just incredible, isn't it? We've been doing this a month, and look at look at what's come on the agenda already. So I'm really glad we're doing Redcast, and thank you guys for uh, for plugging away at it with us. We've got a whole new set of Redcasts coming up. We're going to continue to look at democratized finance. We're going to look at this data collection 2.0 based on what the Bank of England just released. And we're also going to look at the post-trade revolution, because I think there's a lot going on there. We didn't get to talk about T plus one today. I thought somebody might sneak it in. but Anyway, great. Thank you very, very much for uh, your contributions, guys. Great, great job as ever. And uh, thank you very much to our listeners. Please subscribe. Uh, if, if, you hit the, if you hit the button on whatever platform you use, we will magically find our way into your device or, or bed, bedroom. Anyway, take care. Take care. We will uh, catch up with you soon. You can download the podcast via Spotify, Apple, and Google. But also, I'd encourage people to come to the JWG website, which, as hopefully you will know, is jwg-it.eu. Go to the Intelligence Hub and create your bespoke library.